Well, I don't know about you, but I came to church hungry today. And it's not just because all I had was a keto smoothie before I left. But I, I am hungry to receive something from the presence of God. Is there anybody else in here that is hungry to receive something directly from Jesus? Uh, there's one thing that the church really has going for it. Jesus. He shows up here every Sunday. It's awesome. I love, I love, I love his presence. And so I came here hungry. I hope you did too, because we're going to dive into the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God, and we're going to see what Jesus has to speak to the church today. So if you are ready, go ahead, grab your Bible, open it up to John chapter 12, your physical Bible, your app. If you don't have either of those, don't worry about it. We got you covered because we got the screen up here and we'll read the scripture together. For those of you who have been uh, the last several weeks, we have been teaching, preaching from a sermon theme called Harvest. So don't, don't get scared. You know, we're not going to commission you for evangelism afterward. Okay, I know sometimes you hear Harvest and you're like, oh no, we're going to be doing street ministry this winter. We're not, all right? Hold on, pump your brakes, although I'm sure some of you wouldn't mind. I'm in. I feel weird about it, but I do it anyway. You know what I mean? It's like you step over that uncomfortability. And you see people get transformed. It's worth it, right? I heard Bill Johnson say, the more of God will cost you your dignity. Isn't that good? Good word, Papa Bill. So, so we've been doing this thing on harvest. And really what we've been talking about is... How often Jesus in the scripture uses agricultural terminology to illustrate principles of the kingdom of God. And it's so common that when we read through these scriptures, we skim over them, we skip past them, we move through them so quickly, we tweet them. We do a little journal entry real quick to get our devotionals over, our coffee is finished. But these words from the Lord Jesus are oftentimes so power-packed so potent that they deserve to be paused and reflected on these illustrations these parables and so that's kind of what this harvest season sermon theme is really all about so if you're in john chapter 12 say amen, amen. amen. if you're going to read it off the screen say amen. amen let's read it together now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some greeks the feast to worship a Jewish feast has some rare attendees in the secular Greeks so I want you guys to notice that right away what are Greeks doing at a Jewish feast they're seeking they're looking for answers they're trying to figure out who is this guy Jesus. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, extremely polite, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip then went and told Jesus. They didn't know what to do here. 
You guys know what I'm talking about when you're working on your job and you see your boss come in and you're like, I don't know what kind of mood he's in today. I don't know if we should approach him. I don't know if we should talk to him or not. Hey, friend, what do you think? Should we go in? You think it's safe to go in? We got a message for him. We got something to share. What do you think? Let's go together. That's kind of what's happening right here in this story. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Isn't that an interesting response to Philip and Andrew's request to answer the door? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Let's read that last line again. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Unless you let go of what is in your hand and it falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But, everybody say but. As a preacher, I love, to, I love when I can bait you guys into shouting but. It's just like the only place, right? But if it dies, it bears how much fruit? Much fruit. If it dies, it bears much fruit. Now get this. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's a hard saying right there, isn't it? See, these passages, they deserve us to to read them through a little bit slowly. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, I I don't know about you, but I want God the Father to honor me. How about you? I want to serve Jesus, and I want the Father to honor me. Today, I want to talk to you guys from the topic of let go of your life. What do you guys think? I know that's not going to get a whole lot of amens. Let go of your, emphasize your, let go of your life. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We know that it's true, that it's unchanging, that it's transformative throughout all generations. Jesus, you are not done speaking through your word. And so we open our hearts wide today to receive the seed that you would like to sow into our lives so that we can step out of this place and bear 100-fold fruit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So let's look at the context of the story because the context of the story here is so fascinating. You have a Jewish festival. You have a religious feast. You have a holy day. And coming to this holy day, to this festival, to this feast, is some secular Greeks. These are people that are outside of the covenant. They are not Jewish people. They are Gentiles. They are not religious people. They are secular people. They have come to this holy holiday seeking some answers. 
They are inquisitive. They are seekers. They are curious. Who is this man Jesus that these religious people are talking about? It's so often that the disciples are not the religious people in the text. But in this text, it is the disciples that are the religious people. The Greeks in this text are those that are searching for answers. They don't confess Jesus as the Christ. They're not searching for the Messiah. They don't confess Jesus as being Lord. They're simply seeking answers. So what do they do? They go and find this man named Philip. Now, I know that when we read this story here, the Bible includes a very a seemingly very insignificant detail, which is where Philip is from. You ever read the Bible and say, why did they include that? Why is that description important? This is one of those moments. There's a reason why the author includes where Philip is from because where Philip is from is actually a Greek neighborhood. So when the Greeks go looking for Jesus, they're looking for that man of peace. They're trying to find favor with somebody who has like them, a Greek name. Philip is actually a Greek name, and Philip is from a Greek neighborhood. So they go, and they're like, okay, maybe this will be the dude that will bring us into an audience with Jesus because, man, have you seen how popular Jesus has become? Everybody's trying to get a coffee with Jesus. Everybody's trying to get an interview with Jesus. Everybody's trying to touch the hem of his garment. Everybody's got their babies and their kids and their demonized aunties. And they're bringing them to Jesus like, Jesus, touch them. He's a hard guy to track down, right? A little tough. And so the Greeks are like, man, we're not even in the covenant. We're not even the religious people. We are about to crash this holy day, and we are going to find the one Greek person that rolls in the company of Jesus and ask if he can get us an audience with his rabbi. Because even though I'm not a Jew, I'm still interested. Even though I'm not religious, this guy has done so much newsworthy supernatural acts that I've got to figure out what's going on for myself. You guys with me? And so, you know, he finds Philip. Philip's like, I don't know, man. Jesus is being a little strange. Talking about dying and stuff. I mean, he's talking prophetically about, you know, the hour has come. It's so Enneagram 4 of Jesus. You know, it's like, oh, no, man, he's being weird. Should I go talk to him? Hey, what do you think? What do you think? You think we should go? Let's go together. We'll go talk to him together. Hey, hey, uh, excuse me. Yeah, Jesus, look, I know you're in prayer and everything, but here's the thing. Um, there's some Greeks at the door. Mm-hmm. The hour has come. Um, yeah, so Jesus, we got company. They're here. I mean, can you imagine how mind-blowing this moment had to be for the disciples when they realized that Jesus was actually bigger than their doctrines? Can can you imagine how mind-blowing it would have been for the disciples when they were like, oh, 
snap. He's, he's actually bigger than our expressions of religion. He's actually bigger than our perspectives of what we thought God could do. You mean he's actually reaching people from the other side of the tracks that we thought God would never be caught, caught dead around? Those people are not in the covenant. They're seeking the Lord. They're seeking Jesus. They're looking for answers. They're looking for an audience with Jesus from the disciples. And they're like, oh, I don't, dude, what in the, let's go tell Jesus. Okay, Jesus, Jesus, we got, we got, we got company here. I mean, yeah, they were no doubt they're, they're, you know, but they're also thinking, Jesus, this is wild, man. Like your ministry's blowing up. We got Greeks at the door. This is a holy Jewish thing. This is a Jewish party and secular people want to talk. Can you believe this? Like, this is your destiny, bro. Carpe diem. Like, you better seize your moment. Like, you're going to get the chance right here to minister to people that nobody expected you to be able to minister to. Like, your ministry has blown up beyond what our expectations were of you. Like, this is your moment of favor. Like, this is your opportunity for promotion. You better grab it. You better seize it. You better go for it. Let's let these dudes in. The Greeks are here. How does Jesus respond? He doesn't. I mean, think of the crucial moment that we're witnessing here in the Gospels. Gentiles have begun to hear the call of the great shepherd. People who are not in the covenant, they now have begun to come to Jesus. The Gentile world is now seeking Jesus. It's not just those looking for a Messiah. Now it's the secular people. I mean, you talk about revival, man. People, you know, they're like, now they're coming to Jesus. And Jesus does not respond. He doesn't say anything. Rude. The hour has come. I mean, he gets so artsy, you know what I'm saying? It's like he gets so soulish. I feel like Jesus sometimes right here. Because for me, it's really hard to, like, I hate saying no to coffees, you know? So if you ask me for coffee, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. It pains me. It hurts me more than it hurts you, I promise. But Jesus is like, no, I can't. Because the hour has come for me to be glorified. Isn't it interesting how Jesus talked about death? We talk about death as a bad thing. Jesus talked about death as a glory. The hour has come for me to be glorified. Jesus completely ignores the request. He does not tell the Greeks to come in. Now, if we know our Bibles well, we will recognize that there will be a time in which Jesus tells the Greek, the Greeks, to come through the door. And that moment is the moment when, he, when he's opened his arms to them on the cross. And he says, Greeks, come on in. Gentiles, come on in. People outside of the covenant, come on in. But, that, but that, that moment is not this moment. It's not today that I'm opening the door for you to come on in and meet with me. That moment's gonna happen when I'm on the cross. The disciples are simply asking, hey, dude, like we got some company. And he's like, no, no, 
Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. They are simply asking if people can come in and hang out for a little bit, and Jesus starts preaching a sermon on harvest. Jesus starts talking about agriculture. Man, Jesus is the craziest leader. You know, it's like, what did he mean by that? You know, and he's like, I'm going to talk to you. Come here, come here. No, don't worry about those guys at the door. Come here, I'm going to talk to you about wheat. Huh? Come here, let me talk to you about, let me talk to you about a seed. A seed? Yeah, a seed. Because I'm not just giving you an illustration like, hey, let me tell you a story about a seed. I'm actually speaking to you as the seed. I am the seed. And the hour has come for me to be glorified. The hour has come for me to be sown as a seed. The hour has come for me to die, to fall to the ground and die. Why? So that I can resurrect and bear the fruit of the harvest that the Father has promised. But unless I go to the grave and die, I cannot bring forth the harvest that God has promised. Unless there is death, there can be no resurrection. We're all trying to live that resurrected life, but none of us want to die. Let go of your life is the title of the message today. Let go of your life. I'm trying to live that resurrected lifestyle. God's like, die. No. He said, this is what's, ha- what's got to happen, guys. It's time for me to go to the cross. See, I'm giving you an illustration, and I am the seed in the story. The seed is speaking to us. Jesus understands I'm going to the cross, and I know why I'm going to the cross, because I've got to die. Now, 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 go with me on this. I believe that Jesus is making a statement. He's saying, I've done all that I can do in the form that I'm in. I've done all that I can do in my current form, meaning I've done all that I can do without sacrifice. I've worked all the miracles I can work without sacrifice, without letting go of my life. I've done all I can do. Jesus knows what the Greeks need, which is why he doesn't answer the door. Jesus doesn't need to show the Greeks a seed that hasn't died yet. Jesus knows what the Gentiles need to see, and that is a seed, but in a new form. What is that form? It's a resurrected form. He knows, look, I can't show you a seed that hasn't died yet, because when I let the Gentiles in, it's going to be in a new form. Right? A new form. And uh, that's where I have to ask you a question this morning. Have you done all that you can do in the form that you're in? Have you done all that you can do in the form that you're in? See, Jesus was like, I'm tired of, I can't kiss no more babies. I can't sign no more autographs. I can't get coffee with anybody else. I ain't preaching no more sermons on the mount. I ain't multiplying no more kids' meals. 
for me to bear the fruit that has been prophesied about my life, I got to let go and I got to die. For me to bear the fruit that has been spoken over me as my purpose, I got to die. For me to bear the fruit that I've been dreaming about. For me to bear the fruit that I've long since desired and prayed over and fasted over and people have laid hands on me and said, this is in you, son. In order for me to access that harvest, I have to let go of my life and I have to let myself fall and I have to let myself die or else I'll stay alone. And I'm not called to be alone in eternity. Every single son or daughter that will ever be born is not supposed to perish but have eternal life. I need to come in a new form. I need to come as a resurrected Savior. And I love that that's not the last form that he shows up in because just 50 days later, he shows up in a different form. And that's called the Holy Spirit. What if what God wants to do next in your life is going to require a metamorphosis in your life? What if the new fruit that you've been asking God for cannot come into your life until you become a new form? What if the resurrected life that you've been dreaming about with the experiences that you long for is not going to come until you let go and die? Now, that's pretty intense. But you see, when I was in Mozambique, Mama Heidi, she used to baptize people like this. She'd get them in the water and she'd go, you ready to die? I'm like, that is the best baptism I've ever heard. I mean, for me, I just told you guys that it's that Enneagram 4 thing. I'm like, yeah. We're singing song. I mean, it's getting real artsy, real fast. You know what I mean? You ready to die? You ready to die? Oh, man. I mean, honestly, it's insane to me that we dream of this harvest. We get prophetic words about harvest. We long for this harvest. We pray for this harvest, but we will not let go of what's holding us back from getting it because we refuse to die. We refuse to let go of the things that are holding back our breakthrough, and we say, nope. Lord, you can have my life, but you can't have this. He's like, but I'm trying to get you to the harvest. But I, no, no, but I have prophetic words. I'm trying to bring you into your harvest. Let go and let it die. New fruit don't come from an old form. So do you want the harvest or don't you? Because what you're holding on to is your breakthrough in seed form. What you're holding on to, what you're protecting from the Lord. No, no, no. You ain't going to get this relationship. You ain't going to get this job. You ain't, you, you're not going to get my DMs. You're not going to get the paycheck. You, you're not going to get that website I subscribe to. N- no. And God's like, hey, let go. Let go of that right there. That's your breakthrough in seed form. That's your breakthrough in seed form. So until you let it go, until you let it fall, until you let it die, it cannot bring about the harvest that you've been dreaming about. In order to have an ultimate harvest, you have to make an ultimate sacrifice. In order to have ultimate harvest, you have to make ultimate sacrifice. That's the only way it goes down. 
No, no, not me though. I'm different. I, ain't, I don't need to die. I'm special. I'm favored. I'm anointed. If God didn't make an exception for Jesus, just trying to ask, what makes you think that God is going to make an exception for you? Oh, no, no, he ain't going to have to die. He's fine. I mean, look at him. I mean, he's cute. Uh, He's got a lot of followers. You know, he's okay. Yeah, he looks, you you see what I'm saying? No, no, no. See, all of us get to that harvest field in the same way. All of us have to make that same journey with the cross on our back. All of us have to carry what God's called us to carry to get to the mount of our crucifixion. And you get to decide. You get to decide because couldn't nobody take Jesus' life from him? Jesus said himself, can't no man take my life from me unless I first lay it down. You get to decide when you die. Jesus didn't die on the cross until the Bible said, and he gave up the ghost. What what does that mean? He surrendered. Some of y'all still on the cross. You've been on the same cross for over a decade, not letting go of the very thing. Jesus said, I want that out of your life. I want that. You're like, but it's not a salvation issue. Right? But it ain't even really sin like that other dude. He gets to do this. I'm not talking about my relationship with that other dude. What is it to you if you die and he walks with me until I come back? What is it to you? Don't compare yourself. Die. That's what he told Peter. Stop comparing yourself. Die. Unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But. So you need to remind Satan of that whenever he says that you're finished. Oh, but. I ain't dead. I've just been planted. I'm not finished. I've just been sown. Don't worry, I'll be back. It's going to take me about three days on God's calendar. And you're going to see a new form from me. And that's going to be the form that bears fruit. What if you've borne all the fruit that you're going to bear in the form that you're in? What if that's it? What if you've done all you can do in the form that you're in? Jesus had come to a place. He said, I've gone as far as I can go in the form that I'm in. The Gentiles, they don't need to see me in this form, that's, which is why I ain't letting them in the door. They need to see me as a resurrected form because that's when they come into the kingdom. You guys hear what I'm saying this morning? You guys with me today? And it's interesting because... I know what it's like to hold on to things. I know that it's hard to let go of stuff, but I'm telling you, God wants to explode in your life, but it's not going to happen until you're willing to let go and die to your ways. You've got to let go to be fruitful. John 12, 25 and 26, just a reminder, whoever loves his life loses it. What's that thing you're refusing to hold on, uh, let go of? And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
few questions. Are you being overprotective of your, keyword your, life? Or have you died to your life and embraced God's life, the resurrected life, the abundant life that Jesus came and promised us? Are you holding on super tightly to what you want? Or have you let go and died and have received what God wants? Are you holding on tightly to what you feel? Come on. No, yeah, I'm going there. I'm in trouble. See, it got real quiet because nobody wants to go there. Are you holding on too tightly to what you feel? Well, I feel hurt. God's like, let go and forgive. Are you holding on too tightly to what you feel? Or are you going to let go and say, I receive how God feels about this situation and about that person. Yeah, I know they hurt me. It could have been on their worst day. But even Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. No, I won't let go. Well, you won't be fruitful. (laughs) The fruit you'll bear will come from your own strength and not from your source which is Jesus. Let me ask you a few questions. What are you loving on that God has told you to hate? What are you trying to resuscitate that God has already buried? What are you keeping alive that God wants to kill? What are you protecting that God has asked you to let go of? So interesting. The only way to live a resurrected life is to die. You need to change forms. And in order to change forms, you have to let go. Jesus knew it was time to die, which is why he said, it's my hour to be glorified. What if what we call death is what God calls glory? We look at death, and I don't want to let go of it. It's going to be too painful. It's going to be too hard. It's going to be too difficult. Surrender already. Look, I, I know this is tough, and, and not that long ago, um, our pastor, Pastor Banning Liebscher, he invited us into, um, Savannah's uh, parents were supposed to be there, he was ill, so he couldn't be there, but missed him. We, 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 we had all these pastors, and guys, I could name drop to you and say, man, this, this guy was in the room, this, I mean, these guys are my heroes, man. I'm like, man, their church is awesome, their church is huge, they're leading a movement, They got a million followers on Instagram. I mean, these are some of my heroes, man. And Banning said, what we're going to do today is we're going to break off. Uh, Men are going to go here and women are going to go here. And I'm like, great. We're going to talk about porn. You know, because that's what you immediately think, right? It's like going here, going here. I was like, thank God I'm free. Hallelujah. You know? And, and, And we got in there. We got in there. And he said, all right, guys, let's get serious. Let's talk about letting go of the things that matter to you that don't really matter to God. I.e., how many people you had last Sunday? How much money came in the offering? How many people follow your church on Instagram? How you're comparing yourself to other preachers, other teachers, and other well-known leaders? Let's talk about what you're building on as a pastor that is not Jesus. Oh, you, you, you thought we didn't know 
that we struggle with that. I mean, as a pastor, listening to how social media talks and people talk, you would think that we didn't know that we wrestled with those things. Got too real. But we wrestle with those things. We deal with the comparison addiction. Sunday afternoon when I should be napping, testifying in prayer. Lord, you, you did awesome today. That person got saved. That family got restored. But what am I doing instead? I'm on Instagram. Oh, we only baptized four people today. God, they baptized 24. Man, we broke an attendance. Oh, man, man they had 4,000. Dang, I suck. You think I don't do that too? Okay, whatever, whatever it is that you... Look, and shame. I mean, just waves of shame. Quit. You're not good at this. Be an itinerant. <laughs> right? That, you think that I don't go through that? Oh, I go through that. So the whole room, you know, the whole room's like, yep, yeah." And at the end, I'm like, all right. You know, let go. You know, Banning saying this other, yeah, just let go of it. I, I let go of it here. I'm testing. I let go. You got another path. Yep. See, I let go. It took me, and I went through, a, I went through a, a, a mental breakdown. I let go of it. You know, another pastor over here, man, I, I had to be hospitalized. I let go of it. You know, they're I let go. I died. I'm like, uh, excuse me. Mm, I don't want to let go. Um, yeah, I don't want to let go of my shame because if I let go of my shame, what energy will I have to build? Uh, excuse me, guys. I, you died. That's all, that's all. I, see, I see you in your resurrected form. That's good, that's good. But hey, look, I don't want to let go of my comparison addiction because if I'm not constantly competing, where will my fuel come from? At 5 a.m. when my alarm clock goes off for prayer and then I assault myself with shame as motivation to get up by saying, I bet that pastor's up praying. I bet that pastor's been fasting for the last three days. I better get my lazy butt up. Start building the kingdom so that people can see me on Instagram and know that I am valuable and I have worth and I am important to God and the kingdom of Jesus. Where are you doing that? No, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go of that relationship. That relationship brings identity to me. No, I'm not letting go of that money. That money brings value to me. It's how I prove to my dad that I have worth. I send him my tax returns. What's up, dad? Dang. Right? I can't let go of this. Are you kidding? I can't let go of this guy. I can't let go of this girl. I can't let go of this job. I can't. My value flows from that place. Jesus is like, I've been asking you for that. Let it die. Let it fall. 
Let it be buried. Let it die because the fruit you've been prophesied for, the fruit you've been asking me for, it's in your hand. It's right. Your breakthrough's in your hand. No. Wow. It's, it's, it's just in seed form. You, you expect it to show up in a dump truck like it just backs up. Here's all your blessings. Here's all your fruit. Here's all your favor. That's going to have to grow and it's going to have to come harvest time and then you get it as a result of kicking loneliness in the teeth and saying, I'm dropping the seed. The thing you've been asking, I'm dropping it and I'm letting it go. I'm going to let it fall to the ground and die so that it can bear forth much fruit. Let it go. Look at your neighbor say, let it go. Clap at him like that. Let it go. You know what I mean? That's it. My daughter's been watching Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Should have had Elsa help me preach this message. I mean, you see Remy, she's like. And I wanted to do that in prayer this week as I was praying over this sermon. I was like, we just need to tell people to let it go. And sometimes I feel like the Lord jokes with me. I'm like, is that you, Lord? Let it go. Let it go. Drop the seed. Sow something. Put it in the dirt. Look, it ain't a seed until it hurts. My pastor taught me that. I'm going to sow a seed. No, you're just tithing. Nobody laughed. You're just returning. It's not a seed till it hurts. Okay, I got to fit. I got to quit. Uh, four points. Worship team, you guys go ahead. Four points, okay? Because it's, it's, it's one thing. Look, I know it's one thing for me to get up here and say, let it go. Eh, drop it. Let it die. But how? How? How do you let it go? For some of us, man, we've held these things close to chest and we're not interested in letting it go. We've become BFFs with our dysfunction. It's how we get by. It's how we sleep. Wow. I, I know you've been asking me for that 12-pack, Lord, but if I don't drink, how am I going to rest? Wow. Wow. I know you've been asking me for that weed, but I need it. You need Jesus. Yeah. Right? I don't know how this is going over today. I don't know how this is going over today. So four quick points. Here's how you do it. You guys can, look, you guys were on cue. I was about to say, you guys can play if you want to. All right, here it is. Number one, simple repentance. Guys, repentance is not difficult. It's not hard. It looks like this. God, I'm sorry. You asked me for this. I give it to you. I let it go. Making an intentional, conscious decision today to take the thing that you have been holding on to and letting it go. What is that thing? What is that thing that God has been addressing you about? What is that thing that God has been asking you for? What is that thing that God has been bringing up in prayer and saying, let this go? Would you let that bitterness go against your mom? Would you, would you let that argument go that you guys had a couple of years ago? Would you let that go? You're like, that can't be God. 
Well, I'm telling you this, Satan never asked anybody to forgive anybody. Here's, here's point two. Take deliberate action today. Today. If what you're holding on to can be thrown in the trash, canceled, deleted, evicted, or broken up with, do it now. If what you're holding on to can be thrown in the trash, canceled, deleted, evicted, or broken up with, do it today. Just do it while you got momentum. Look, the ball's already rolling. God has already started something right here, right now on Sunday morning. When you step out into the parking lot, give them a call. I can't do it no more. I'm letting you go. Can't delete the number. Blocked. I'm letting you go. I'm letting it go. Delete the app. Stop the subscription. Whatever it is that you need to do, take deliberate action today, not tomorrow, today. Number three is this, get undercover. You're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to fight alone. You're not supposed to stand all by yourself. That's why God has given us the church. We are in community. We're in family. And it's a great start to share with your friend what what you're struggling with. Call your friend today. James said, confess your sins one to another. By doing so, we're going to be healed. We pray for each other. We'll get healed, right? But get undercover. Talk to a leader. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a parent. Go hire a counselor. Whatever it takes, take action and get undercover. Don't just share your problems. Submit yourself to somebody who can really address you. There's a difference in transparency and vulnerability. Transparency is like, this is who I am, deal with it. Vulnerability says, no, I'm inviting you to touch my stuff. I'm inviting you to lay hands on my hurt. I'm inviting you to come into my life and address me. And then I'm gonna take action on that. Right? Get undercover. Point four. Daily remind yourself of who you are. If you need to write it on your mirror, if you need to print out scriptures, remind yourself that you are a son and that you are a daughter and that is the foundation of your identity. Your identity does not come from what you do. It doesn't flow from what you're holding on to. It doesn't flow from the value other people put on you. Your identity, your worth, your value comes from one place and one place only and that is Jesus Christ. And if you have ever doubted your worth, if you've ever or you're actively doubting your value, here's what I want you to do. Look at the cross. Because the price that Jesus paid determines the value of the people that he purchased. If you were not worthy, he wouldn't have paid it all. He made a priceless sacrifice so that you could be redeemed. You could be purchased. You could be brought in. You could be ransomed. How expensive were you? Priceless. That determines your value. You have priceless worth. That is who you are. Don't believe a lie any longer. Don't hold on to the seed any longer. Sow your breakthrough today in Jesus' name. Let's stand up together. We're going to do one chorus before we close out. And as we're standing, if you don't mind, just stand up. Let's lift our heads towards heaven, but let's close our eyes, please. If you need to, I just want you to focus on that one thing. What's that one thing that, what's that seed? What's that, 
What's that thing that God's been saying? Hey, look, I want that to die. I want that to die. Hey, if you're in here right now and you're not saved, you're not walking with the Lord, would you just lift your hand? Would you just lift your hand real quick? I just want to pray with you and welcome you into the kingdom. If you're in here, just lift your hand real quick. Awesome. I, I see one there. Anybody else? Great. Anybody else? You just need to come home. You're like, dude, I'm, I'm lost, man. I'm far from Jesus today. Awesome. I see you. Great. I see you guys. Amazing. Awesome. Let's pray with these guys. Let's pray with these guys. They're coming home today. They're dying. They're resurrecting. They're coming into a new life. So, so we just collective, we, we, we pray with them. They're not alone. We pray, we pray, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I receive your blood for my forgiveness. I receive your sacrifice. I am free. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I give my whole life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.